Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. I'm going to freak out. Now from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas. 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you. Hour number two of the big show. Cole Anderson going to join us here in just a moment on the ESPN Roundtable. Looking forward to that. If you uh, missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can check it out on the podcast. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate all that. The podcast is available thanks to Blackfoot. Appreciate Blackfoot for getting that out there for us. You want to listen on the World Wide Web live? 1029ESPN.com is where you go. You listen there all the time on the stream thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, Cole Anderson, Coulter. He's joining us. He just said he needs a couple of minutes because he's got the kids coming, going, whatever. He's dad, dad life. You I know. know. You know how it goes. I know exactly how many how many Zoom <laughs> meetings I've muted so I can say, <laughs> get off the couch. You know, I know. I know exactly uh, about all that. But uh, pretty cool, man. It, it, it's been a little while, right? I mean, obviously, we know about Tim Houck. Marty Morningwing, former f- former Grizzlies that became coaches in the NFL. But it's been a while since a, a, a Grizz player went on to play in the league and then went into coaching in the NFL as well. And so Cole Anderson getting on with the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, a pretty cool step in a, a progression in his career after kind of – he didn't sit out a year, but he was he was helping out at Butte High School, coaching there and, and uh, doing things around the state of Montana and had, had a few different irons in the fire, but decided to get back into it and uh, – I mean, when you talk about a special teams coach, who could be, you know, who's more knowledgeable and did it better for longer than him? You know, he's pretty. They're 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 lucky to have him in Cincinnati. No question, and it's a it's a great extension of a legacy too, because Colt was mentored primarily by Tim Houck, mm. and there's so many parallels between those two guys. You know, right. Montana guys who came to the Grizz as walk-ons, undersized safeties. And then really made their way initially as special teams players and then became all-time great players for the, the Grizz. And then 
cut their teeth and did it in the NFL for a long time, first and foremost by special teams. And so I think it's cool that uh, that Colt has that connection with Tim Houck. And as we know, Tim Houck remains in the NFL too, uh, coaching with the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, it's a cool opportunity. But like you said, I mean, Colt, he, he'll be a great uh, mentor for guys because that's that's how he made his living in the NFL. If you could coach on one team, not Minnesota, like where would you? Where I don't you, know if I would want to coach in Minnesota. I'm still not sure that Mike Zimmer is that good of a coach. Okay, well, I mean, I'm not even talking about like because of the current head coach or anything like that, but just like where do you think it'd be cool to be a coach on a football team? I mean, all of them just at some level, sure, but like San Francisco would be a pretty cool place to work right now. I think with Levi's Stadium, yeah, just and, because John Lynch is such a stud. But I just uh, all right, okay. Uh, I mean. He is a stud. I'm a stud. You work with me. That's got to feel pretty good, too. We go down to the Regis Brothers RV phone line, and we head into our ESPN roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Welcome in. Nine-year NFL veteran, former Montana Grizzly, and current special teams assistant coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, Colt Anderson, back on the show. Colt, thanks so much for being here. How you doing, man? Hope you're well. Absolutely. It's good to hear you guys' voice again. Well, the same for us, uh, for for you too, and uh, and happy to have you on in in yet a new capacity, another new capacity, and shifting your career. I want to just start there with the obvious stuff of being, you know, a, a coach in the National Football League and assistant special teams coach for the Bengals. First of all, how did that come about? Obviously, playing in the in the league for that long, lots of connections, lots of guys you know. But at some point, you know, you got to say you got to get an opportunity and an offer, and you got that with Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. So how'd that come about? Yeah, you know, so so it, it really came about back in, in high school when I went to the University of Montana, and I, I went to school to be a, a high school teacher and coach, and I was going to coach in uh, high school football. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to, to play the game in the NFL. And, and as, as I was playing, I was creating some relationships, like you said, and I always thought in the back of my head maybe coaching would be something I'd want to get into when, when I was done playing. And then when I was done playing um, – you know, I wanted to take a year off and really evaluate, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, you know, what was what was going to be the next chapter in my life? And and um, this last fall, fall of I, I guess it was 2019, I I, I was fortunate to uh, get to volunteer for the Buhai Bulldogs and and really just love, fell in love with the game. Um, you know, from from the sidelines, I, you know, I wasn't on the field. And, and so it was a way for me to, you know, light that fire and, and, and keep that passion, um, you know, because it, football was, was pretty much, you know, most of my life really for, you know, 30 some years. And, and, uh, you know, at that, at this time in my life, I'm not ready to, to give it up. And so, you know, coaching, coaching the game is, is a way to, for me to, to keep my foot in the door. Did you have any specific connections uh, to, to Zach Taylor or any, anybody else on the Bengals staff that kind of led you to Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, no, nobody specifically on their staff. I had a couple guys, uh, you know, I played under uh, that reached out on my behalf and, and, and got me an interview, a phone interview, and, and then uh, and then I, I they flew me out. And we did an interview interview in person, and 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 then to be honest, they went dark for t- two weeks, and I didn't hear from them. I'm like, shoot, I I didn't I didn't get the job, and and then uh, two weeks passed, and they, and they sent me a kind of an assignment really just to see, uh, you know, my knowledge of the game. And, and then, you know, cause coaching is just not known next as it knows there's the computer side of it, running the computer and, uh, you know, how to, how to, you know, run, you know, break down film and, and, and draw it up into these drawings. And so, uh, shoot, it took me eight to 10 hours and I turned it in. And, and then the next day they called me and offered me the job and I didn't hesitate. I said, yes, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love I'd love the opportunity. So uh, they flew me out three days later, and, and we were out there shooting for about two two months before this 
this uh, coronavirus hit, and, and uh, you know, so now yeah, I was able to get out in time and, and flew back to, to Montana with my wife and kids, and, and so we're here now. We'll get more into the, this position you got in the NFL, but you mentioned volunteering for Butte High this last year. I mean, that's that's where you went to high school. You grew up in Butte. But they had a spectacular season this year, going all the way to the state championship game. That must have been cool for you. I mean, what was it like being back in your hometown and, and coaching a team that you once played for? Sure, yeah. You know, it's uh, like I said, I mean, I, I, went, I went to school to be a teacher and a high school coach, and, and so – you know, I was, I, I was always kind of thinking maybe I should get into coaching. And, and so I asked Aaron if he cared if I'd start to come to practice. And, and then I just loved it. I can't I believe he let you come. That's uh, <laughs> surpri- surprising to me. It's not. Get out of here. <laughs> well, you know, you know me, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. And, and uh, you know, felt like I needed to, to kind of ask before I just showed up and started bossing people around. But. Uh, you know, I, like I, like I was saying, I, I never, I never played at Naranchi Stadium. Uh, you know, all the all the legends here in Butte always talked about it. We we practice up there and, and played. Uh, you know, without the bleachers, we had the grass hills. You know, for freshman, sophomore, JV games, and uh, you know, so that was so cool being being a part of that. Where you know these seniors that we had were, were a special group of kids, and um, you know, it was, it was fun. It was fun to be a part of of, of that team. And, and like you said, I mean, they had they had a great year, obviously. Didn't end the way we wanted. Wish we could have that game back, but you know, give credit to Bozeman. They they dominated us, and um, yeah, I, I think I, I think the yeah, I don't want to make excuses, but I, I think if we have one more game, this this it, it'd be a different ending. All right. <laughs> we'll take that. We accept that answer. Colt Anderson yeah. joining us uh, on the ESPN Roundtable, and Colt, you 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 mentioned this earlier, but you know. You said, okay, well, I went to school to, you know, maybe be a teacher, maybe coach, and that, that was something. But you played for so long. I mean, you, you played, you know, a, 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 almost a decade in the league, obviously, your time in Montana before that. And I think a lot of guys, they get done playing and maybe go, you know what, this grind, I'm I'm good. You know, like, I, I don't need to do yeah. that anymore. I'm going to take time. I and mean, certainly you did take, you took a time, you know, a year off and all that. But you said you kind of fell almost maybe back in love with it or in love with it in a new way on the sidelines there at Butte High School. Just walk us through that where you say, you know what, yeah, I'm going to, this is going to be the next step for me is going, you know, full, whole hog into the coaching side of this. Yeah, I mean, well, my dad was a coach. He coached me in baseball um, in high school, and then and then he was uh, on the, our high school staff as a uh, corners coach. And you know, he coached at Butte High pretty much the whole time I was growing up as a kid. And uh, you know, he was my elementary coach. And it, it, and so for me, you know, it was what I was going to do. I was just going to coach. But um, you know, I I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do when I was done playing. And and I. I I'd got, I'd got some feelers out there from a couple coaches kind of asking, um, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, you build relationships and, and, you know, a couple coaches are saying, yeah, I mean, you should maybe see if you should, you should maybe jump into coaching. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of thinking about it, but, um, you know, I really wanted, I, I wasn't just going to get into it to get into it. I really wanted to, to find out if it was something I wanted to do. And I'm not comparing high school football to the NFL, but um, just the process and, and, and the passion, um, you know, it, it ignited that fire just to, to say, hey, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, I was all in this year coaching on the sideline of Butte High and, and so that's kind of that's that's the person I've always been, you know, on the field and, and now on the sideline of the field. So, tell us about the specific position. I mean, what was your day to day like, especially before things got shut down like they have? I mean, what was just take us through your day to day with the Bengals? Yeah, you know, it's it's off season now. Um, 
you know, so when I showed up, it was, I was learning, I was learning the players, uh, you know, who we had on the roster, um, you know, breaking down what they did last year um, from a scheme standpoint uh, and, and then evaluating, um, you know, rookies that are coming in that we, we might draft or try to get free agent. And then we're trying to look at NFL free agents, guys, we think we could sign from uh, other NFL teams. And, and so I, right now we're, we're meeting, we're meeting, uh, via zoom where I meet with, uh, the gunners on the punt team. I meet with the corners and the safeties on the punt return team. Uh, I meet with the ones and twos on kickoff and then I meet with the returners and the wedge players on kickoff return. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'll be doing during the season is meeting with those guys on the, from the special team standpoint. And, and then really just evaluating, uh, you know, the opponents, uh, week in and week out. You know, I, I know versatility is such a big deal in football now, which is why I think Burrow as a gunner on the punt team is ideal. I mean, he's got he's got some skills for that. You think you could talk Zach Taylor to let him go cover a couple of kicks for you? Well, yeah, my my opinion and the the first overall pick when I told when I told Zach that Joe adds value as a gunner. Um, you know, really carried a lot of weight. Yeah, so. it did. Oh, it did. Cole Anderson joining us. You tell is on the ESPN roundtable here. Uh, I, I want to go back to the interview process because I'm so intrigued by this. You know, you have these multiple sort of layers to this thing. You have a year on the phone a couple of times, and then you fly out there. You do the in-person deal. Who are you interviewing with? And what I don't, you know, you don't have to get into specifics, but are you talking? football philosophy you're talking x's and o's you're talking you you know like what what's the what is it that they're trying to figure out from you as they you know decide whether to bring you on or not yeah that's a good question i've never been on that side of it but you know i i think they just want to get get a feel for what kind of person you are you know are are you are you guy we can count on they they say hey we want to look them in the eye and see see if you know, what's ticking inside of them, uh, you know, but then they want to know, yeah, how much, how much football, you know, what, what have you learned in the past and, uh, how can you add value to our team as, as this position coach, so to speak. And, and then so talk about, uh, the person, uh, I, I mainly talked to the head special teams coach. And then when I did fly out there, I met with Zach, the, the head coach. And, um, you know, he sat in on our meetings, we watched film and, uh, and and then yeah, just really is, is those guys' decision, and, and uh, I think that's typically how it works. Is it's the head coach and the head special teams coach that are essentially hiring that that position. You know, you've, you've been in the league a long time. You've seen uh, you know a lot of teams don't want to stuff in the league. Was it intimidating though? Was there a certain level of nervousness that okay now for a job I got to break down film to a head coach and a and a special teams coordinator to prove basically what I've absorbed over my career. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Shoot. I was probably, I was probably more nervous for those damn interviews than I was covering a kick, uh, on, a, on the AFC championship. You know, it's, it's pretty funny, but, uh, you know what you know. And I, I didn't really didn't know much about, uh, you know, the interview process. So I was a little nervous, but I guarantee I would, I'd be a little less nervous if I had to do it all over again. But, but at the end of the day, ner- nerves are, nerves are kind of what makes your heart beat. Being in Cincinnati, it's an interesting situation with a, a pretty new coaching staff and, and a franchise that is definitely in a point of transition after being led by Marvin Lewis for so many years. And now with, with the number one pick and Joe Burrow coming to town, I, I mean, what's, the, what's the culture that Coach Taylor is trying to build there? And, and what's it like kind of just being a part of something like that where it is kind of a rebuilding team, least wins in the league last year, but a lot of upside, a lot of potential to, to rebuild it and make it really great? Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a lot of excitement in, in Cincinnati, the state. Really, 
Uh, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, there's a lot of excitement. So uh, ha- having Joe, you know, getting Joe first overall, he's a high character guy. I think six six out of the seven or seven out of the seven draft picks we got this year were were captains of their college team, which speaks volumes to the to the type of people we want in, in our locker room and uh, representing the, the the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, you know, I I just I actually just got off a, a Zoom meeting with with the Gray Falls High Bison and. And you know, that's what I just preach to these guys. You know, this, this, if you want to be do something in your life, it, it, it starts with being a good a good person. And and so that's the type of people we want. And and ultimately, you got to be a good football player too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, if, if you're a good if you're a good person, if we can rely on you, you're going to get your job done. Uh, you know, that's the type of guy we want. You know, it's interesting right now. I feel like there's sort of a, a a bifurcation in the NFL when it comes to coaching, where there's a bunch of the the guys who've been there forever, the Andy Reeds, the Belichicks, the Tomlins, and so on. And then there's then elsewhere a shift to this young sort of new uh, you know philosophy, maybe cutting edge in some of the schematic stuff, but also just sort of the youth movement, I guess, if you will, at the coaching level. Certainly, Zach Taylor fits that bill, as do you. But is that something that? is exciting to you to be a part of, of that in Cincinnati in, in that respect? And do you see that in the NFL as well? Like what, what is the, the reason for that, uh, that we see it? Yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited to be a part of uh, the Bengals franchise. I mean, we, we're on the up. I mean, we, we had the number one pick overall, so that says something, you know, uh, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of good energy. I'm definitely excited to, to work under Zach and, and learn from him and, and learn from the, the other coaches on our staff. You know, we have a lot of guys that have been around. We got a lot of young guys, such so a good mesh, good mesh of guys. And, um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, overall, I'm just really excited to, to be there. What, how, what, how do you like in Cincinnati? I know you're back in Montana right now, but I mean, what do you think of just the city of Cincinnati? So far, so good. It, it's it's kind of got a little blue collar feel to it. Uh, maybe like Pittsburgh or um, even Buffalo when I was in Buffalo, but um, it, it's it's cool. It's it, when I when I first. Um, thought of Cincy, I guess I was thinking of Indianapolis because they're so close because when we play preseason, we just bust there and I assume it was just going to be flat like Indy, but there's more hills and, uh, you know, big river, the Ohio, Ohio River, I believe, flows right through there. So, um, it was a lot prettier than I, I had anticipated. And, and obviously the people there are great, um, you know, hard workers, blue collar um, type, type of people. And I, I'm into that. Now I hear that there's like some real deal steakhouses in Cincy. Have you? Did you get out? Did you get a chance to sample the goods on the food front in the in the city while you were there for a brief moment? Well, I, I have not. So you you better text me a few okay. of those spots. So I'll, I'll, I'll check them out for sure. I'm gonna hit you up. I, <laughs> there's this thing called Google, and I'm great at it. And I'm gonna find all all the things for you, and we're gonna get you sorted out so that you gotta be you gotta eat right. Okay, that's that's a huge key oh, to being a good coach in the NFL. I hear it's to tell Nuwana as well. I'm not gonna nine. lie. I go ahead. I have a hard time uh, ordering steaks outside of Montana. I, no I, doubt, I man. Do I don't know what it is. You know, so we're, we get spoiled up here. Yeah, well, absolutely, we do. We know exactly where it comes from too, which is one of the best parts about it. <laughs> yeah. Have you uh, have you talked to to Tim Houck since you, you've made this transition? Because right before you jumped on with us, we were talking kind of about the parallels of that too. I mean, he coached you in college. 
you guys have such parallel careers just in the way that you know you made it with the Grizz as walk-ons that turned into All-Americans and then guys that cut their teeth on special teams and turned it into a career in the NFL. And now he's a special teams coach in the league again, and, and you're going to be uh, working with special teams as well. Have you talked to Coach Halkin, and uh, has he given you an advice through this process? Yeah, no, he's been he's been very instrumental in, in you know this whole process. And, and there's a lot of coaches that'll talk you out of you know coaching. And uh, you know he was a guy that said, "Gosh, this, this is the best job there is," and he loves it. And so um, I've relied on him you know, as, as a resource, as a player, and now as a coach. And, and we've talked all the time. I believe he's up here in Montana now. And, um, no, I, I mean, our, our stories are so crazy, just just uh, so similar. Um, he, you know, walk-on safety, NFL, uh, now coaching. So it is funny, and it's uh, it was good. We, we were able to catch up at the Combine, and, and uh, we had a few laughs and, and a little fun. But, God, he, he's such a great guy, and I've learned a lot from him as a, as a person, as a player, and, and, and now as a coach. So I'm lucky to have him. Colt Anderson joining us at ESPN Roundtable here in Tutel and Nuanas. And, uh, Colt, the NFL schedule is coming out tomorrow and, and setting aside what is still, you know, obviously some unknowns and stuff like that. But I do believe, not having seen the schedule, that you'll be playing the Ravens twice this forthcoming season. Uh, also, <laughs> the Steelers as well. Have you thought – I mean, the NFC uh, – excuse me, the AFC North is such a – such a great division, man! Like it's an awesome, it's an awesome group of teams with some real rivalries and real physical play and all that. That I, as a fan, love watching. Have you thought about like just being a part of that whole thing and what that'll be like? Oh, for sure. I mean, they they have the reputation. Is it the black and blue uh, nickname they got? What what is it, guys? You, you know it. Yeah, the black the black and blue division or something like that, right? Right. Isn't that the division, right? yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, with, with the with the uh, the Ravens and the, and the Steelers and us and, and the Browns, I mean, you know, the, the Browns are on the map now again, and you know, ho- hopefully we can we can uh, make that jump and get into that get into that picture again, and um, you know, the, like like you guys are saying that the Bengals had a, had a little nice little run there of making the playoffs, and we hope to to get back to that. Bringing it back to the Montana angle of this, I got a couple questions for you. Not about the NFL, you know. I, I, speaking of your time when you're coaching Butte High, we got to ask you. You and I have texted back and forth about this, but I want the people to hear too. Give us the scout on on Tommy Malak because I think he's a guy that I think a lot of people around the state of Montana are intrigued by. Uh, it was a real battle in recruiting between Montana, Montana State to get him, and the Cats ultimately won out. But you know, Gatorade Player of the Year, phenomenal athlete. And the leader of the Bulldogs on the way to that state title run. So, uh, what's what's the scout on Tommy Malott? Well, he's a stud. He's a stud, straight up stud. Um, you know, you talk about a, a, a quarterback. You, you talk about the qualities you're looking for a quarterback, and he has all that. He's, he's a leader, uh, hard worker. Um, you know, he brings it all every day. That's all you can ask for. And and you know, I was definitely. A little sad when he didn't sign with the Grizz. I, I was I was putting a little heat on him too, but at the same time, I bet you were. You know, I, I, <laughs> I know Bobby probably wanted you to be uh, putting a little heat on him too. Well, you know, Tommy's a lot smarter than me. And, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. He, geez, I mean, he, the kid had a thirty-three or something four on his ACTs. He, I mean, I'm just telling you, he he reminded me. I, I you know, he's not as as big or tall as Andrew Luck, but. Just the qualities, uh, his leadership qualities, his, his work ethic reminded me of, of Andrew Luck a little bit, um, you know. And, and I mean, he just 
anything you ask, he does it. We we were able to steal him on, on third down on a defense a little bit. He'd come over. I think he had like four or five picks during the season and maybe played 30 plays. I mean, the, the kid's a stud. He's just a football player, and uh, Montana State's lucky to have him. I, I hope they give him an opportunity to play quarterback. Uh, so, But, I mean, he's just a stud. He, he, he works extremely hard. And, uh so, yeah, he's a stud. I was going to ask you that though. You 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 would pref- you think he uh, would be a good quarterback as opposed to something else? I mean, you're obviously on the defensive side of the ball, and he was he was great over there for you in limited time. But you think that a shot at the quarterback spot would be good for him? Yeah, I, I believe he could start from Montana State. Yes, as a quarterback. It'll be interesting to see because he, did he, I answer I, your question? Yeah, that does answer my question. And I heard a little, I heard a little chuckle, which I won't ask you about at the end of that too. So I, I get you. I hear you. There's plenty of opportunity to play quarterback at Montana State. Let's uh, let's just leave it at that. Um, last last question on the Montana front. Then, um, just as a Grizz alum. You know, a guy that played for Bobby Houck and now Bobby Houck's back. I mean, we had you on the show when Coach Houck was first hired back, but you know, he's trumpeted the return to dominance. And year one, a little bit of a rocky road, but year two, they really put it together and got to the national quarterfinals. And it seems like the program's rolling right along. So, what are just your impressions of Grizz football right now? No, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I, it's, you and I definitely had that talk and uh, was fired up to, to see him come back. He, he just brings that different culture different vibe different energy to to our program and and uh, he gets guys to play extremely hard probably uh, above and beyond what they're capable of which i was one of those players and and uh excited to have him back and um you know we got we 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 got to get that big sky conference championship and the in the uh, divide war uh, brawl of the wild trophy back on our side and and uh and then just keep rolling in the playoffs and, and, and get to that natty I believe he will. Well, Colt, we certainly appreciate you being with us and uh, and spending the time here. Thanks very much for doing it, and uh, really best of luck. Can't wait to see, uh, hopefully, first of all, football, and then second of all, uh, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and you on that staff uh, getting it done. We appreciate it, and then uh, look forward to the season to come, all right? Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. You Thanks, bet. Colt. Colt Anderson, assistant Special teams coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, his first uh, first NFL gig, and it's cool, man. To start start over like that, you get not start over, but start something new uh, uh, like that in uh, on the coaching side of things. Cole Anderson, though, uh, just, why does it not surprise me that the first interview he ever had, he got the job? You know, <laughs> no doubt, right? I mean, it's just it's just sort of like, yeah, whatever whatever that guy decides that he's going to go ahead and do, he's probably going to be pretty good at it. Uh, it's our ESPN roundtable. It is presented by Paradise Falls. We'll get to in a moment, but your thoughts just initially out of that conversation? Well, I mean, it's I made no secret about this. I mean, Colt's a good friend of mine, and I I'm really proud of him. And I, you know, he's always been the same guy, and I think that's I think that's what people really appreciate about him. I mean, he's been the same since the first time I ever met him mm-hmm. when we were 19 years old, and so. Uh, I'm proud of him for staying humble and and sticking to his roots. And I also think it's really cool that he's had the opportunity to come from a working-class town like Butte, Montana, and play for a working-class coach like Bobby Houck, and then play in some of the most fearsome working-class towns like the in Buffalo Buffalo. and Philly and um, now gets a chance to to do it with the Bengals, too. It just seems like he keeps finding the right fit as well. So... um, he always downplays it, but he's a really smart guy, and he's a really smart football mind as okay. well. And I think he'll he'll have a bright future in coaching, for sure. And uh, we'll keep you up to date with how things 
transgress or progress with his career, but also, you know, he's the head of the Dream Big Foundation. Yep. And they always do great summer funders. I don't know how it's going to work in, totally. for the pandemic, but if it if it happens, we'll keep everybody apprised because uh, it's definitely a good day trip for people around Western Montana. You can just zip over to Butte. It's only a ninety minute drive, and and he's had great guests throughout the years have come you know former teammates from all three of the professional franchises that he played for and a lot of former Grizz too I mean last year Chase Reynolds was out there working with the kids at the camps and Jason Kelsey your your favorite of all time favorite working at the camps and so did he uh, give a speech did Jason give a speech that's what I want to I don't know if Colt could let Jason talk to the kids might have to edit that (laughs) that might hurt the uh the PR but they always they're always raising money for good things you know can't make a dream and and various other local nonprofits. so um Cool story, but I, was, I also thought it was very interesting to just his take on Tommy Malott. You know, him and I have talked about it quite a bit, uh, and I know that he, he I mean, he, he was putting some pressure on Tommy, you know, saying, hey, you know, Bobby Houck's going to get this thing back rolling. You, you want, you're going to want to listen to the Grizz. But at the end of the day, you know, we had Tommy Malott on the show, and he said kind of the – he really liked both programs at the end of the day. The determining factor was he, he wants to be a mechanical engineer, and Montana State is a premier engineering sure. school. So that's, you know, that's where uh, his heart lies. But – I think it's going to be really fascinating. I think that's a storyline to watch over the next several years is so often guys that are great athletes play quarterback in Montana because it's a rural place. Yeah. And so often those guys get chances to play for the Cats and the Grizz, and so often they don't get chances to play quarterback. A lot of times they just get moved. And I just want, I'm so interested to see how this progresses because right now I think we have three dudes who are all – they're not just Division One caliber athletes. I think they are Division One caliber quarterbacks. They're yeah. going to have a chance. Carson Rostad from Hamilton, who's coming to the Grizzlies. Chris Brown from Bozeman, who's already with the Grizzlies. And Tommy Malott from Butte. It's been a long time since we've had Montana quarterbacks. I mean, I guess Jake Bluskin had his uh, smattering of playing time when Daenerys McGee and Dakota Prukop each got hurt at Montana State. But he was never actually the entrenched full-time starter. Before that, I mean, it's Rob Thompson back in the 90s for the Cats as a Montana quarterback. And for the Grizz, I mean, John Edwards is the last Montana quarterback that was uh, a guy that was from Montana that played under center for the Grizz. And, and that's, you know, that's 20 years ago now. So I've always thought there's guys that could that could do it, and a lot of times they just get out-recruited uh, or the, a lot of times the out-of-state three-star guy just gets the, the inside track, and it's just so hard for the Montana guys to do it. But I also think that... One of the reasons we have, why we haven't seen Montana get kids playing quarterback for the Cats and the Grizz is because who's going to be the first guy that says, yeah, I'll switch positions because I just want to play? The kid from Montana. Yeah. And and so often you weren't just a quarterback. A lot of these out-of-state guys, they never played anything but quarterback, yeah, whereas right. the Montana guys are like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be the fifth-string quarterback? Well, cool, I'll play safety. Let me, play, let me cover a kick. Let me play special teams. And so I think a lot of times they kind of take themselves out of it too. But I'm so interested to see if Malak can do it because we watched him live I've watched him live twice, and uh, I think he can. I, I really do think he can, and especially considering the way the Montana State's quarterback situation has gone in the last several years, I hope they give him a chance. Stu Tellenuanis, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Again, uh, our thanks to Cole Anderson for taking the time, joining us, being part of our ESPN Roundtable. ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls back open. Yeah. So go check them out. They are uh, you know, following the social distancing rules, so they have some capacity. But anybody that's ever been down there, on the south side of Missoula, it's a huge space, and so you can say if there's ever an establishment that's built for something like this, it's probably Paradise Falls. No question, right? and the fact that the weather's been nice too. The deck is open, so you can sit outside on the deck as well, and uh, they're up fully in full operation right now too. They got uh, new menu items, so you can go check that out as well. But uh, as always, 
30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, early and late happy hours, Monday through Thursday. And uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner are one of the only places you can find that anywhere in Missoula. So go check them out at Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Up next, are we learning who MJ really is through the last dance, or have we known it all along? Next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. How you doing, boys and girls? It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Outstanding to be with you on this very fine Wednesday afternoon. Hope you're having a wonderful day. And yes, we're not going to stop talking about the last dance. <laughs> Why are you laughing over there? I just think it's there? great. I, I love talking about it. It's very, uh, it's very thought-provoking documentary. Certainly, um, it is a thought-provoking documentary. It's uh, Tutel and Nuwana is one hundred ESPN Radio. Great to be with you at Gus Tutel at one hundred two nine ESPN and uh, at Skyline Sports. If you are uh, looking for us uh, around on the Twitter machine uh, out there in the world, before we get into me? this, well, go ahead, Tommy. For someone who doesn't know nearly as much, you, you, I mean, Coulter, you've said this. 20 times. I haven't learned anything new. For someone like me who maybe doesn't know anything, what could be the most interesting take from this, and why should I watch it? Mm. Why does it matter to me? I don't live and breathe sports the way you do. I think exactly what Ryan's about to talk about is one of the main reasons. I mean, Michael Jordan is one of the the most insane mental character studies that you could ever do. I mean, his, his relentless drive... His unwavering competitiveness, I mean, it's its not just borderline unhealthy. It is unhealthy, but he has a channel for it. Just the psychological analysis of it. I also think the fact is that there was a moment in time where Michael Jordan was not only the most famous person on the planet, he was the most famous person that has ever been in the planet, besides maybe some of the, the religious prophets. I mean, Michael Jordan at a moment in time was so unbelievably globally famous. It's it's I don't know if we'll ever see that again. The the thing too though is you never watch a documentary, well not never, but like you don't watch the documentary about the gal collecting honey in the rocks in Afghanistan because you're interested in the bees life in, you know, Afghanistan. It's because it's such an amazing like personal story human drama human you know uh, uh uh life that's there and so this while sports is certainly central to it is not you, you gotta care nothing about sports to still find this intriguing mm-hmm. in a lot of ways though you'll find it the more so if like me you were embroiled in this while it was going on whereas tommy i don't believe you were even on the earth while this was going <laughs> on. 
Well, I'll listen closely to your analysis okay. here, Ryan. But you were going to say something, Coulter, before we get into this. Oh, I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, it's it seemed this the second blurb in our sports center is about Elijah Elliott, and that might seem sort of random that there's a national letter of intent that came across the wire um, in May. The this is interesting. Elijah Elliott, first of all, was a, a guy that had a lot of hype coming out of Central Catholic High School, one of the top program prep programs in Oregon. And he will be a good addition to Montana State's running backs room. But he the reason that they didn't announce him initially on, on National Signing Day is because he's the half-brother of Deontay Strickland. Deontay Strickland was the mm. great point guard from Portland State who got shot and killed last summer in Portland. Yeah. Elliot wanted to have it the announcement of his thing be on – his, his brother's birthday. Mm, mm. And so I, it was a couple days ago, so that's why they just released okay. this this thing. So it's not as if it's just this random thing. But I've been getting emails from all, all, a bunch of Bobcat followers. They're like, well, the kid committed on Twitter, but he never signed. What's the deal? Is there an academic thing? Whatever, but it was just a, a kind of a special moment for him. So that's, that's why it's kind of this weird uh, non-traditional timing. There you go. Okay, very good. Uh, Coulter, here's what... I wanted to talk about about the last dance in relation to Michael Jordan and who he is. Um, now, Mike Seleski was on the Will Kane show earlier today. Mike Seleski is a writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he wrote uh, a column called The Last Dance, or In the Last Dance, Michael Jordan shows us who he really is and tramples a man's memory to do it. That's the column. And the man that he's talking about is Jerry Krause. Mm. Now, the the uh, the grudge holding and the um, shall we say motivational tactics used to 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 win and beat other people into dust on the basketball floor are very well document documented with Michael Jordan. The Jerry Krause thing is here's the thing: Jerry Krause and he. He was given a bunch of credit from almost everybody that spoke about him in this documentary series in terms of what he did. I mean, he was the general manager of the Bulls for 18 years. He put together the team, including getting Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, bringing in the pieces of the Steve Kerrs and the B.J. Armstrongs, Horace Grant, you know, uh, uh, you know Ron uh, Harper, and, and, and so on. He deserves a ton of credit for having done that. And also, he also deserves a ton of credit for for what because what the Bulls were before he took right. over. I mean, that first episode, one of the funniest lines is when they call the Chicago Bulls the traveling cocaine circus, and, yeah. and it's just like, what a train wreck! How bad Co- could this possibly be? Completely. But also, now, first of all, I'm inclined, okay, and this is maybe on me to give Michael Jordan more credit for that than Jerry Krause. Well, certainly, but also. He does deserve credit for that. And also, to a man, not just Michael Jordan, they said, but he couldn't get over getting credit for what he was doing. Like, he couldn't do it. And yes, it is stark. Looking at Jerry Krause, the picture of a, you know, a short, fat man who's not particularly becoming and all of that, standing next to Michael Jordan and the rest of these, you know, professional athlete basketball player, you know, walking human gods, right? Okay, so we get the the, the dichotomy that's there and the, you know, wanting to have a little bit, like, you know, just, you know, the boy king 
right, or something like that mm-hmm. is sort of the feel, even though he's good at what he's doing. Like, there's right. no question that he he is he is, when it comes to putting a team together, roster construction, all that. He's he he's got it figured out. But also, is it not true that part of being a general manager at any you know of any organization? is maintaining some sort of relationship with the players. I know that there's supposed to be a real distance at some level because you are making transactions with humans, and that's what the the nature of the beast is as a general manager. But also, if you're creating an environment where they actually don't like you and really don't want to play for you or are unwilling to continue with your team because of you, then that is a, a not just a flaw. It's, it's a professional failure for that to be the case. So that's one side of this. The other side of this is when it comes to people are like, man, why can't Michael Jordan just let go? And this is not just Selesky and his, his column. He just this the column is sort of a jumping off point for this. But everybody, you know, Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame induction speech. I was just gonna say right? that he gets up there and he just see just starts going at guys. It wasn't like, hey man, it was great to play with you. Great. He's like, this is why I beat you. This is why I beat you. Hey. Russell, you still haven't stopped my uh, crossover. Okay, on and on and on down the line. Just like, just just do it, okay? The the Charles Barkley deal where they were great friends. Charles Barkley characterizes the relationship as brothers, right? And now, you know, the, the, there's a rift there that does, according to Charles Barkley this week, uh, I don't think it's ever not going to be the case. You know, we're, we're, we are not friends anymore, and we're not going to be friends again, probably. For me... And I think for a lot of people, you go, well, Michael, why, why has it got to be like this, man? Like, why does it have to be like this? Can't you just, like, can't you put a friendship and a human being over maybe something that he said that you didn't like, whether it was true or not, or maybe something that was untrue and that was said, and, you know, can we have some sort of reconciliation here, and can we get over this? So two things about that. First of all, I, I would feel that way. That's what I would want. That's what I would like to happen, right? This guy, not that I have any connection to this whatsoever, but I think, you know, it makes me feel happy on the inside for Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan to be friends. Right. Okay. So I would like for that to be the case again. And I, you know, to see them late nights playing cards and then Michael Jordan housing him on the golf course, it would make me happy. But here's the two things about it. First of all, you're going to cough. Okay. I got you. I got you off. Uh, if Michael Jordan isn't quote unquote holding grudges, isn't sitting here just 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 crushing people, he isn't Michael Jordan. Right. Like you what you're asking for is for the person that had to be the way he is in order to bring you the greatness and the glory that he brought you on the basketball court to be something else after the fact. And that ain't going to happen. And you sit there, well, why can't you just let it go? Well, if he had the capacity to let it go, he would have not been the guy that he was while he was playing. We've seen plenty of motivated guys, plenty of guys who held grudges and then eventually let it go. Well, you know what? It goes all the way down for Michael Jordan. It is who he is. And if you don't like it, and I'm not saying that I do like it, that's fine. But also, you just have to recognize that you didn't get what you got for him as a player without it. Okay? And so that's that's the first thing. Go ahead. Wait, wait, don't you think that too the fact that Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf had a volatile relationship with guys like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen? Don't you think that's part of the greatness? Like they were trying to prove those guys wrong. When Jerry Krause sits up there while they're getting showered in champagne and he's 
you say about the organization. First and foremost, it's the organization. Yeah. We have great players, but it's the organization. It's the organization. It's Idiotic. the organization. Organizations win championships. That narrative, it fueled Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Like those guys not getting paid is part of the story. That's they were trying to prove Jerry Krause wrong, to prove right, right. that they deserved the 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 value of the money that they thought that they deserved. And so I, I don't know. I think that uh I think that's part of the reason they were so great. Certainly, I also think that if they had a general manager that they liked, they would have found that motivation from somewhere else, sure. it seems to me. I mean, they could they could put that together. The second thing, though, is this idea that we're now seeing Michael Jordan for who he really is, if, if that's the case for you, you haven't been paying attention. Michael Jordan hasn't changed at all. That's the point. Like, he, this isn't new. This is what it's always been for MJ and and will probably always be for MJ. And so now that we're seeing it, you know, again, starkly, I realize that, you know, okay, wow, okay. I didn't realize it was quite like that. Well, if you didn't realize it, you just were watching because it's only ever always been complete for Michael Jordan in this respect. And again, it's why he is the greatest to ever do it. It is, it is the reason that he's the greatest to ever do it. Does it mean that he's... The ha- like, would I rather be Michael Jordan or Charles Barkley? I've said this before. I'd much rather be Charles Barkley. Charles seems genuinely happy, right? <laughs> right. Michael Jordan seems genuinely and and forever perpetually condemned to discontentment because it's never, it, it's just never going to be good enough. There's a couple moments of bliss where you're holding the trophy, where you're holding the championship, and the champagne is going. But in general, all it is is just gotta win gotta win today gotta be gotta win in Candyland. gotta win in horse gotta win on the golf course gotta do it gotta do it gotta do it and that never goes away and so you know i'm not saying it's the best way to be a human i'm not saying he's you know the 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 picture of like what we should uh, you know aspire to be but what i am saying is the reason he's the greatest is because of who he is and you can't undo that the other thing and i'm just going to do this again a completely gratuitous pot shot it's on reinsdorf too like, at the end of the day, you're the owner, and if your general manager is going to ship off the greatest franchise in the history of sports and the greatest player in the history of sports because he's got some rift with Phil Jackson, then he's got to go, and you're the owner, so just enough already, and you got what you deserved, which was nothing but losing after that point. Jerry Reinsdorf, it's on you. No doubt. And I think it's so interesting to think of all the th- the things that – went into Michael Jordan's motivation, part of that being Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf, just like you just said. I mean, I, I think that they motivated Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, certainly, because they were so hard to deal with. Right. And because those guys were always trying to prove themselves. But then you think about just the way that Michael Jordan's career played out. The the baseline that he was able to be established with, with all the coaches that he had from playing for Dean Smith at North Carolina to playing for Bobby Knight during the 1984 Olympics to then playing for Doug Collins with the Chicago Bulls, Phil Jackson, Tex Winter, got to play for Chuck Daly during the 1992 Olympics, got to play for some of the great, I mean, who was the 1996 Olympic team coach? Coach Krzyzewski, maybe? Yeah, well, if you're playing for the United States Olympic team, you're, you're playing, playing for, for a good coach. Yeah, right, no no doubt. But I just think he got to play for among the greatest coaches. And not just really good, but like the greatest coaches of all time. And I think that had a, a positive influence on it. And then you thought, talk about the situation in the NBA at the time with David Stern. I mean, Michael Jordan and David Stern are forever linked. and And they should be. And 
I don't really know why. I don't, I, I don't know. Do you feel like this? I feel like David Stern doesn't get enough credit. I mean, David Stern is the way he transformed and changed the NBA. He's on the Mount Rushmore for the guys that saved the league. And oh, he, oh, I, I, uh, he deserves a ton of credit, but I think he gets a ton of credit. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people will. There is one city, though, that doesn't think very much of David Stern. Los Angeles? Seattle. Mm. I mean, Seattle says, okay, yeah, enough about, you know, gagging me with this Sonic? guy who saved the league. He absolutely was instrumental in lying to us and ripping our team away. Have you seen Sonic's Gate? Not yet. I've not I've not watched the whole thing. We had Jason on the uh, director of Sonic's Yeah, right, cuz yeah. he was the 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 Frank mm-hmm. the Fred Becky. Yeah, I got to go I got to go uh sit You need down to watch it. It's it. it's quite a deal. Quite uh quite a deal that went down there. Uh pretty unfortunate, but No, I think that uh like I said on the show earlier this week, Michael Jordan is not only such a spectacular figure and such a spectacular icon, but also such a moment in time, and he just benefited from so many things that were going on in the world at the time. Let me ask you just one final question mm-hmm. before we get out, okay? One of the things that Michael Jordan is, is said to have trepidation about about this is the way that he would be perceived, the way he would be portrayed and then perceived at the... Just specifically, you personally, Colton Nuanez, the, the amount that you liked or disliked the person, the character of Michael Jordan... Prior to this and now, do you like him more or less or the same as a result of what you've seen? The same. He's nothing. None of this is like that surprising to me. The way that they're spinning nothing. It. That's because nothing's surprising. Well, sure, but I just, I, I just think that I, I love, I love the the character that is Jordan. I mean, I think it's classic. I think the compulsive competitiveness is is fascinating to watch, and I think that uh, finding motivation in literally everything is is pretty crazy. I like him more. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like him more. I, I mean, I just like him more, man. It's hard to find a guy who you go, I would never want to be like that guy. He's got so many flaws and things that I think are like probably not like that great. And I just, I just can't help but like the guy. I mean, it, it happens, but you know, and probably this ties back to my childhood. I probably need to lay out on a couch somewhere and talk to somebody about why you know. Well, I have this, but it is it is there. Sutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We'll wrap up the show next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. With the deck of 51 Smoking cigarettes and watching Captain Kangaroo Now don't tell me I've nothing to do Last night I dressed in tails Pretended I was on the town As long as I can dream It's hard to slow the swinger down Stu Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio I'm really doing fine you can always find Outstanding to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Hope you've had a great day. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for spending a little time with us on your radios or on your internet, or if you're listening on the podcast, well, we thank you for that as well. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's available all the time. Search, rate, review, subscribe, all that 
stuff. We appreciate that very much. The uh, podcast is available thanks to Blackfoot. Um, I did start screaming at Jerry Reinsdorf, and it was going to be an epic Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week. It was epic. It was epic. It was a great. It was a great burn by me. It wasn't even necessarily a planned one. And then you know you get this perfect place to use this perfect thing, and then the thing didn't go. And you know? now I'm screaming at the computer. Yeah, and I look back, and Tommy's got his hands on his head. He just can't believe that he missed <laughs> this golden opportunity. But that's good because now you know the Burn Street Bistro Burn of the Week still coming. Uh, Coulter, last thing here, I just want to ask you this: this very well, brief question that pertains to a bunch of more things. We don't have time for it. Just this specifically, okay? There's this idea floating around that maybe not all of the teams or all of the conferences in college football need to have clearance to play in order for a season of some sort to take place, okay? And maybe the SEC and, you know, more rural states in the South are more able to play football and do that than some of the other places, you know, whether it's the West Coast and Los Angeles and Seattle and so on. I, I, I don't know about all that. But I, I have heard also this idea, well, hey, you know, what if there is a 20 or 25 team league, essentially, right. of college football teams that are just playing conference-free football, okay? Yeah, interesting. And here, my, my simple question to you is this, because I was thinking about this and I was like, well, the, the thing that makes college football great is the college part of it because the fandom is so insane because of the identity i think that people have because they're alums or students or whatever and it's representing me in some way much more than a professional team although the city does that to some extent but it's it's the fact that you went to this school and now by god go tennessee you know how much of that is there with the conferences because I think like the SEC has this thing, right? The where they're like the it, SEC though. and they're, but, but how much of the, if you didn't have conferences, f- even for a year, how much would that affect the fervor surrounding college football? I don't really think that much at all. I think the SEC, the SEC is the, the least changed of the power conferences. It makes the most sense in terms of, the identities of the schools in the league and the locations of the schools in the league. Like, the Big Ten doesn't make any sense to me anymore. First of all, there's not 10 teams. There's, what, like 14 teams? I think it's 12. The, I mean, Rutgers is not a Big Ten team. No doubt. Maryland. Maryland, not a Big Ten team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you could argue that Penn State's not a Big Ten team either, even though they have been. Well, what should they be? The ACC? They should be independent like they were forever. Oh, man. No, no. See, I think that. Here, I, I thought I think that college football was at its best when you did have a bunch of independent teams because then you could play national schedules and then you could have such competitive rivalries. Can, can you still not? I mean, you can. You still absolutely can. You can. You can. And teams are more willing. Like the, there was there was a space and time where everybody was like, "All that matters is winning. We're going to schedule." all the directional tech schools we can find in order to guarantee wins for ourselves. But Nick Saban largely has has sort of flouted that concept, and I think happily so. So now some of the first couple, three weeks are some of the best weeks of the season where you are getting Oregon-Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, to answer your question, I, I think that uh, the conference affiliation is a lot used to be a lot stronger in football, and I think it – 
is a lot stronger in some conferences for basketball like the ACC, but I don't think very many people would be that bent out of shape about it. I tend to agree with you. I don't think Oklahoma missed being in the Big 12. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, right. I, I, I tend to agree with you. It's 2 Tell New Orleans, 1029 ESPN Radio. Great to have been with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Have a wonderful evening, boys and girls. We'll catch you in 22 hours. Enjoy Spain and Company next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.